0: Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Right, so we're in a series on relationships, and uh, we're using Jesus' words in Matthew 12 and verse 25 as our springboard. But do you want to say yeah, something I, before we do I that? I just wanted
1: to, um, first of all, I'm so, we just love you, singles. You are a part of this church, and, and we just think you're incredible, and we're glad you're here and a part of it. But I just wanted to tell you a thought. Um, as you look forward to marriage that you should realize that marriage has no guarantees. If you want that, then you should go get a car battery to live with. (laughs) They have guarantees. Okay, and then I heard about this wedding rehearsal where the groom approached the minister with an unusual offer. And he said, look, I'll give you $100 if you'll change the wedding vows. When you get to me in the part where I'm supposed to promise to love, honor, and obey, and forsaking all others, be faithful to her forever, just leave that part out. And he gave the minister $100 and walked away all satisfied. Well, the wedding day arrived, and the bridegroom and groom... Uh, We're standing before the minister, and he comes to the part for the groom's vows. He looks the young man in the eye and says, Will you promise to prostrate yourself before her, obey her every command and wish, serve her breakfast in bed every morning of your life, and swear eternally before God and your lovely wife that you will not even ever look at another woman as long as you both shall live. (laughs) The groom gulped and looked around and said in a tiny voice, Yes. The groom leaned and then leaned towards the minister and hissed, I thought we had a deal. And the minister shoved the $100 back into his hand and whispered, she made me a much better offer. (laughs) Uh
0: All right. Jesus, Matthew 12, verse 25. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself will not stand. It's impossible for a marriage, a family, a church, a city, a state, a country, a business, a sports team to be divided against itself and not fall. Now, Leo Tolstoy made this observation. He said, all happy families are alike, all right? And it's true. So an Alabama professor decided to conduct a survey and he put fifty. Ads in newspapers in 25 different states. And this is what it said. If you're part of a strong family, please contact us. We know much of what makes families fail. We need to know what makes them succeed. And he received over 3,000 responses. And there were six things that just kept on repeating themselves. The first one that we mentioned was commitment to each other. A sense of being a team. And, of course, it's way back in Genesis chapter 2 where God said the two become one. But all the family members were committed to each other. Second characteristic of strong families was they spent time together. When 1,500 kids were surveyed and asked what makes a happy family, not one of them said something about cars, houses, or jewelry. But over 90% of them said doing things together. And then the third is appreciation, right? And there's a great Bible example of this in Proverbs chapter 31. This is what it says in verse 28. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Now, by the way, as children, we learn what's normal about family from our own family. We all think that our families are pretty much normal. And what we do naturally is what we saw modeled for us in our house, in our home, right? So here these kids, they're rising up and they're calling their mother blessed. Now, where did they learn to do that? They learned to do that at home. You say, how did they learn to do it? By watching dad, right? He praises her. It says, her husband also, he praises her. And he says, many daughters or many women have done well, but you excel them all. You are blessed better than any of them. You are the absolute best. Now, listen, men, this is teaching us what we're supposed to do with our wives. We're supposed to tell our wives, "Men, you are the best. You are awesome. I would choose you again in a moment. There's a lot of great women, but you are absolutely, positively the best. Ah. Mm. Now, listen, every man, that's, every that's, man, that's, that's the Bible is showing you, this is what you do, right? You need to do that, right? You need to go home. You need to do that. You don't even need to wait till you get home. Wait till the service is over, but, all right? But listen, listen, when you do that, you have to understand you're deceived because my wife is the best. <laughs> but every man should believe that his wife is the best, all right? Listen, absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Appreciation makes the heart grow fonder, right? So don't take your spouse for granted. It's in Proverbs 31 again in verse 10, where it says, who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far above rubies. And so often what happens once we get married, we take our spouse for granted. But what this is telling us is saying, if you've got a virtuous spouse... It says they're worth more than the the biggest houses, the most exotic vacations, the, the 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 nicest cars. What what really makes you wealthy is not stuff; it's your relationships. It says don't undervalue, don't take for granted your your uh, your relationships.
1: Can Can I just say? Um, when just interrupt.
0: Just interrupt. I just did. do it. Okay.
1: Okay. Thank you. When When he says, you know. A, Appreciate and and if you've got a virtuous spouse, and you might think, well, I don't know if mine is very virtuous. I haven't noticed that lately. (laughs) And um, you don't just appreciate when you feel like it. Like, okay, when everything's great, I can do that. And and you might think, yeah, I'm going to be more appreciative. Um, This is something that we do on purpose. It's part of our heart and our character. What kind of person are you? Are you the kind that just remembers every flaw and 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 bad thing and and mistake and feeds on that and fuels your thoughts with yeah and he didn't do this right and she didn't honor me here and she didn't do that and he didn't do this and and you can get in such a groove that you don't even notice the things that you have to appreciate and you can come and get that word in church here of yes I'm going to be more appreciative but you might be in such a ditch a rut that you've dug in your life of not being, not appreciating things that it can be hard to get out of. You can be in the rut and look around, and all you're doing is looking around at the walls of your rut. Well, I don't see anything to be appreciative about, but I'm supposed to be more appreciative. And um, it's an on purpose thing where you say, God, show me. God is the one who sees in the heart of your spouse and sees what a treasure that it is there and that he made that person to be and can help you find the things to... You learn and you appreciate on purpose. And I just want to say um, to you singles and young people, to our children, that um, you don't just dream and think, future, someday, yeah, I'm going to be married and I am going to be that perfect wife, a perfect husband. I'm going to... Um, be so thoughtful and kind and, and, um, forgiving and just going to have a a wonderful relationship because I'm going to be the outstanding spouse and, and, and think that you can live today in unforgiveness and complaining and nagging and griping and, and just be a, I don't swear, but a blankety blank (laughs) and, and think that when you get married, you're going to be the opposite. And just suddenly when you say, I do, that you will turn into a, a wonderful person. We don't actually start a marriage with a blank slate, but with who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and so you are practicing now who you are, what you are, at, you know, how you react to, to people that treat you wrong and, and the choices that you make. Um, the little choices make a difference. And, um, God is the one who's on your side. Now is the time you pray. You get up and say, God, make me more like Jesus. No matter what I'm treated like, mm-hmm. what somebody says or does, whether it's the right, right thing for me or to me or the wrong thing, ah, God, make me more like you help me to react in a way that, that you want help me be appreciative and, and thankful. And, and you know, my, this is something you do on purpose. I just think about how, um, and it's been quite a few years ago, many years ago, I realized that when Dwayne held my hand, it just really feels good. And so I should tell him. I mean, sometimes you go just, oh, yeah, you know, he's holding my hand. Well, you know, whatever. (laughs) And uh, and he he grabs your hand. Well, that's nice. He probably wants sex. I'm like, (laughs) no. And, um, you know, just. I don't
0: know where that came (laughs) from. I do not know. (laughs)
1: But when you, on purpose, you take the time to say, God, you know what? I appreciate his big strong hand feels, it feels good to have him grip my hand. I thank you that he loves me, that he's for me. That, uh, and then express it and tell him that. And, um, you know, so sometimes it's the saying, wow, that's great. I appreciate that. And sometimes it's just the, 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 in my heart and saying it to God. God, I thank you for for that. I thank you for his presence. I appreciate that. I and you can you just be amazed at how it, it expands and grows and and the more treasure that you see in each other, the more treasure that you will see in each other.
0: And that is the truth. So, decide. I'm going to appreciate him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to tell him I like you. I love you. I care about you. I appreciate you. I'm praying for you. Now, you might think, but you know, I, I, I just got some problems. You know, I wasn't brought up that way. You know, I, I was brought up in a home where we didn't appreciate each other. Nobody ever said, I, I, I love you. Um, there may have been verbal abuse or sexual abuse. There may have been all sorts of things that, that happened in your home. Now, your past does not need to dictate your future. Just because you did not receive that doesn't mean that you cannot give that to your family. I understand that you were hurt and you were wounded. But Jesus said this in Luke chapter four. He said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted, right? That's what he came to do. His number one thing is get people saved and then get their heart healed. No matter what you have gone through, Jesus is the only one that heals a broken heart. Time does not heal it. Time doesn't heal that heart. Time allows you to build walls so people can't get to you. But time doesn't heal. But Jesus will heal your broken heart. So you may not have received it as a child, but you know what? You can give what you didn't receive. Because Jesus will heal your heart, right? You can forgive, you can rise up, and you can give your family what you did not receive. You can give that to your spouse. You can give that to your children, right? So encouragement is something, and appreciation is something that we give daily. Appreciation, it is the fertilizer for healthy families, right? And appreciation is inexpensive, but it's powerful, right? And you can be opulent right? You can just go overboard. You may not realize this, but 90% of inmates in prison were told by their parents someday they will put you in jail. 90%. Now, what are you telling your children? Are you telling them we believe in you? You're going to succeed. God has a purpose for your life. We love you. God loves you. We believe in you and we're for you. What are you telling your children? Right. Number four.
1: Just if you want to know what to tell them, ask God. God, what do you see in them? And listen and go to the word and see and hear and listen. God, what, what, do, you, what do you see in my kids? What do you see in my husband? What do you see in, in my wife? What, what do you see? And then agree with God.
0: Strong families. Number four, have good communication. You know, a husband said, my wife said I don't listen to her. At least that's what I think she said. Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. When the Bible talks about how powerful your words are, if you look at the context, it's talking about marriage and relationships. Your marriage, your relationships are no better than your communication. Right? A bank robber gave a note and said, don't stick with me. This is a mess up. Just couldn't communicate.
1: Now, did you catch that? I mean, I was a little bit dyslexic, and I thought, well, that sounds right. <laughs> oh, no, it's uh, Don't mess with me. It's a stick up. Okay, for you who are slow, with like me, that was okay. just to help so, you out.
0: <laughs> and it, It's not because we don't take a vacation to Tahiti that marriages and relationships break up. The reason is we don't communicate. Hear it again and again. She doesn't talk to me. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't talk to me. You know, every day practically, I call Jeannie multiple times. You know, hey, I'm going to do this. Hey, I'm thinking about this. Hey, I just saw so-and-so. Hey, would you like to do this later? And somebody said, well, you must have an expensive phone bill. It's much cheaper than a lawyer or alimony. Trust me. (laughs) All right. <laughs> you know, tell your spouse exciting news first. You know, when you were dating, you just talked and talked. You talked about everything. You talked about nothing, right? But you were constantly communicating, All right. Every family has disagreements. Now, there is a verse that I have never, ever one time seen on a plaque, and I have never seen it on anybody's refrigerator. It's in 1 Corinthians 7. This is what it says. All those who marry will have trouble. <laughs> All right. if, if people think, well, you know, if I just got the right one, there'd be no trouble. We just, we just float along. It's not true. Listen, when you were dating, you worked at it. You worked at it. Guys, you're going to pick her up. You did push-ups and you took a shower. You used deodorant. You, know, you got flowers or candy and you opened the door and you, were, you, know, you drove nice. Right? You, you, were, you were at your best behavior you were, you were working it you were winning her over she was doing the same thing best behavior. but here's what happens we get married and we think well now I'm done I got them they're stuck you know? and, 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 and we're like and we stop working it and we think that that's natural because Hollywood told you and told me well if you just got the right one it'll all just work out and you just ride into the sunset and live happily ever after. Well, you can live happily ever after, but only if you work at it. You know, what professional piano player plays six, eight hours a day, and then all of a sudden reaches a tremendous level in their profession, and then all of a sudden stops practicing and thinks they're going to stay at that level? It doesn't happen. The same thing with a professional athlete. They'll spend hours and hours and hours every day, practice, 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 practice. But if they would stop, how many of you know their level of expertise would begin to diminish? And the same thing is true with marriage. Why would we think we work at it and then all of a sudden we stop and think that everything is going to be just perfect, right? Families that, families that are great families, it's not that they never had problems. It's that they work through their problems. They keep working at their marriage, right? And just, you've got, you've got to work at it.
1: Shall I tell them my problems? Our problems?
0: Well, fine. You finally <laughs> confess one of yours instead of all of mine.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, as an illustration here, um, I'm really trying, really trying. I'm still working on this, and I'm not going to quit. But I do have this very irritating flaw and pro- uh, problem in my past, in my past, totally yeah. my past. Uh, Can I just
0: say something here? She was 58 and never going to be late. She was 59 and always on time. And what was your problem?
1: Um, being on time. <laughs>
0: uh, so she becomes no, no. every year, every year she's got this
1: Inside, I'm on unt- top. You want to know why we have multiple services? It's so that I can come late to the first and be early for the second. <laughs> so I'm never totally late. I'm, and uh, when, when, uh, uh, one time I was crying about that, just like, Dwayne, if I come in late, I don't even want to come in. I just want to go crawl in a hole. And, 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 and he says, no, you know, when you come in late, you give other people hope. <laughs> <laughs> that, that it's okay they can still come to church and worship even if they don't make it for the first song so i hope that you have received encouragement from me but i just um you know it's really easy to be appreciative and and kind and thoughtful when when everybody's doing everything right but there are those irritate. there's those times when you know when he's talking about it can be difficult and um People can be ugly or things can be disappointing, and, and we're supposed to pursue peace and look for the good and appreciate that. And so this example of being late, I just want to explain to you how Dwayne has been working with this over the years because I have gotten honked at. And,
0: You're going to confess your sin, not mine. Well,
1: I'm not saying that was a sin. I just, you know, I'm saying this is, you know, in his reaction to my sin, my problem, you know, has not always been the best. But then I started noticing the, the, that I'd get in the car and he'd kind of, and I'm just like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I'm, I was hurrying. I'm so sorry. My hair doesn't always cooperate or or. You know something, and I can't find—I couldn't find my purse. I mean, I always have a good excuse. There's always a good excuse, but anyway. So he, I get in the car, and the one time he—he he turned to me, and I'm just feeling like a fa- I blew it again. And he looks at me, and says, "Praise God! I was just telling God how thankful I am for this opportunity to grow in patience." <laughs> and, and then another time, I came out, and I noticed he's now in the garage. He has this special um, uh, pull-up pull up bar. So he does pull-ups. And then this, this morning while he waited for me, he sat on the deck and read a book. He's doing his reading. He's getting some reading done. And, um, you know, he's making the most of, of the moments that he has. Um, you know, and I just thought how we can, we can get these irritating moments. And if the one person, um, you know, comes at you like this and and this is just a description of something you don't want or don't like. My being late to him is, like, going at him like this. And he could turn back at me and go like this, and you could just scratch each other's faces and or Or, like, you know, I tend, you know, my being late was like this to him. And so all he does is kind of turn a little sideways, and, and my turns into a nice little back rub. So, you know, how we, later. <laughs> how we react to something, um, I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, when someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other to him." It's like, don't slap them back. Turn, you diffuse a situation by how you react to it. And you can do that every day. You can diffuse a situation by turning it around for good and, you know, make the most of it. Well, we're going to be late, but we're sure not going to give the devil a chance to rejoice over our relationship. We're going to just get there when we get there. And praise God, God is at work in her and me, and we're going to grow and do it better next time.
0: Amen. Number five, strong families have strong spiritual health. A a survey with Christians found that if the father and mother attend church regularly or faithfully, 72% of their children remain faithful. If the dad only attends, 55%. If the mother only attends, it dropped to 15%. If neither, it was only 6%. And here's what really stood out at me, all right? That when the father and the mother together commit to be faithful to God, that you will capture your family. You will capture them, right? We just, but it takes the two of you, not just one. I think it's really, really significant. Joseph, those of you who have read your Bible in the book of Genesis, Joseph has been in Egypt. He has become the prime minister. He has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. These boys have been brought up in Egypt. They are Egyptian royalty. He's prime minister. They are the cream of Egyptian society, educated in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. And his father comes, Jacob, Jacob comes and knows he's about to die. He's old. He's 147 years old. He says, bring me your boys. And they, he, Joseph brings Ephraim and Manasseh. And the Bible says when they walked in the room, Jacob looked at them and he said, Ephraim is mine and Manasseh is mine. Just like Reuben's mine. This is what he said. He said, your two boys are going to be part of God's promises to Abraham. Isaac and Jacob. I claim them right now for the kingdom of God. And they and their descendants are going to be part of what God does in the earth through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know what I believe? I believe we need to claim our families. We need to do what Jacob did. We said, they're mine. They're part of the family of God. I serve God. My house is going to serve God. And I claim my children. He claimed his grandchildren. And you can look what happened. They are a part of what God is doing in the earth today. They're a part of God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, said, they're mine in faith. And we in faith, we need to do that when it comes to our family. Joshua said, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, my house, we're gonna serve God. Now, it's in Deuteronomy chapter six where God literally tells us how to pass our faith to our family. And the, the most significant thing, the greatest thing you can do for your family is not leave a trust fund. The most significant thing you can do for your family is to leave them your faith. Right? This is how God said you do it. Verse five, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words I command you today shall be in your heart. Now notice what It does. He said, first of all, it starts with you. You've got to love the Lord with your heart, soul, and strength. And my word needs to be in your heart. I want you to listen. You can communicate or teach what you know. But you reproduce who you are. You reproduce what you are. So what you say does not have the effect of what you are. Your family, your children are going to pick up more on what you do, your spirit about things, than they are what you say. So the first thing God says, if you want to pass your faith to your children, he says, you've got to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. And you've got to have my word in your heart, and then you will teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets before your eyes. But before you can teach it, you've got to live it. You've got to live it. And by the way, that begins with a decision. A decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, lastly, number six, real quickly, is forgiveness. Healthy families are forgiving families. I thought it was interesting that a few years ago they did the survey and they thought this was really groundbreaking. I thought they should have just listened to Jesus. He told us that 2000 years ago. The Pharisees come to Jesus and say, can we divorce for any reason at all? And Jesus said, look, in the beginning, he, the creator made them male and female and said the two shall become one. And they said, but Moses commanded us to divorce our wives. And Jesus said, not exactly. He said, Moses permitted you because of the hardness of your hearts to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. It was never God's plan. He said, but because of the hardness of your hearts. So according to Jesus, when there's this breakup, it's because there's a hard heart, at least one. He said, it's because of the hardness of your hearts. Well, it's in Ephesians 4, 32. Listen, it says, forgiving one another. Oh, excuse me. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. The number one sign of a tender heart is you forgive. The number one sign of a hard heart is you will not forgive. You keep on holding things against you, your your spouse a person, a friend, an acquaintance. Here's the truth. It is impossible to live with somebody 365, 24-7, and they are never say or do anything stupid. They will. They will. There's only been one perfect person, and it's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. All right? Everybody else is going to blow it. And if you will forgive... You will fall in love with that person again and again and again and again and again. But if you will not forgive, there's only two things that can happen. One is you end up in a divorce court. Number two, you have a bad marriage. How many would rather have a good marriage or a great marriage? What do we need to do? Be tenderhearted, forgiving one another. They don't deserve it. Neither do you, but God forgave you. Jesus said, every time you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. The sooner, the quicker you forgive, the easier it is. Look, when you get a hard heart, that hard heart affects your relationship to God and it affects your relationship with other people. When you have a tender heart, it affects your relationship with God in a good way. And it affects your relationship with others in a good way. For more information about ResLife, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.